Hello and welcome to the Mystery Room. I'm Shannon. And I'm Abby. And welcome back to another two-parter. We love doing these. We do. This is an actual accident though, because I generally thought we'd be able to fit this into one episode and then I realised how much is actually out there on this case, so it is going to be another two-parter. So strap yourselves in and get ready. Yep. We are drinking Chardonnay, being all fancy. On a Wednesday night, because, you know, we record these on a Wednesday, so... Yeah. yeah. Midweek drinking. Yep. Even though I'm really confused, this whole bank holiday weekend has thrown me off, because I think it's Tuesday today, but it's Wednesday. Everyone at work said that as well. I kept going into work today and saying, oh, don't forget this is happening today. Um, tomorrow I'm doing it now I was like don't forget that this is happening tomorrow and they're like it's happening today I'm like no it's happening on Wednesday Shannon it's Wednesday I was like I mean it's not a bad thing it means that you're one day closer to the end of the week this whole bank holiday is just really messed with me yeah yeah I know although it's nice because it's a short week it is yeah especially for me because I'm off on holly bobs tomorrow (sighs) so me and Abby we're not actually going to see each other for a whole month crazy times because the day she flies back i then fly away on holiday for two weeks so um yeah. we're not gonna see each other but don't worry there will be episodes still i'll just be doing one solo so i'll be quite sad miss yeah. my co-host i know and then abby's gonna do one solo and then we were sort of discussing about we might have like a week break yeah and I think we weren't sure, were we, if we were going to because otherwise, so yeah, call each other while you were away. Yeah, because basically, I'm go- we're, I'm going to visit my dad and my stepmom in Thailand, so it might be that we call each other and do a episode like that. Um, it just depends what basically I'm doing while I'm out yeah. there. So you might get four episodes, but there might be a week break. Yeah, we'll you know closer to the time. But either way, you've got us for two parts for the next two weeks so you're you're all in luck don't worry for today's case we are heading to sunny aruba in the caribbean on monday the 30th of may 2005 natalie holloway was out partying on a graduation trip in aruba at 1 30 a.m she left a nightclub with a 17 year old and his two friends in the car never to be seen again So what happened to Natalie and do these three men have anything to do with her disappearance? And after looking into this case, I cannot tell you how much it really infuriates me about what goes on to happen to the three main suspects in this case. We'll go on to discuss it mainly in part two, but I think you'll agree with me on how much, on how frustrating it really is. Natalie Holloway was born on October the 21st, 1986, in Clinton, Mississippi. She was the first of two children born to Dave and Elizabeth Holloway in Memphis, Tennessee. At the time of Natalie's disappearance, Dave was an insurance agent and Beth was employed by a Mountain Brook school system. At the age of seven, her parents divorced in 1993. Both Natalie and her brother Matthew were raised by their mother. Beth then married a successful Alabama businessman named George Twitty. What a name. I know. I actually love that name. (laughs) Twitty. Amazing. They married in 2000, which then meant the family moved to Mountain Brook, Alabama. 
This is where the siblings attended Mounting Brook High School. Natalie and Matthew both lived a nice, comfortable life with Natalie being a straight-A student and becoming a member of the National Honours Society. She was also part of the school's dance squad. She graduated with an honours in May 2005. To celebrate her graduation, Natalie joined 124 fellow graduates in travelling to Aruba for a five-day graduation trip. All the graduates were accompanied by seven chaperones. This is roughly 17 students per chaperone which is a high number of 18-year-olds for one out, one adult to look out for. The, the uh, legal age of drinking out there is 18. So imagine one adult looking after 17, 18-year-olds who weren't legally allowed to drink in America but is now can now go crazy in the Caribbean. I'd have a whale of time. Well, yeah, that's I'd what I mean. a whale of time. I would. I'd be running around left, right and centre. I'd be make them chaperones do their work <laughs> exactly and that, I think that's I'm not going to blame the chaperones for this because obviously well, I'm it's not their a, fault that was a stupid idea though seven chaperones yeah they needed more definitely yeah Jodie Behrman who helped organise the trip stated the chaperones were not supposed to keep up with their every move so according to police commissioner Gerald Dompig, who was the head of the investigation into Natalie's disappearance from 2005 to 2006, there was a lot of wild partying, drinking and room switching every night. Even the hotel that they were staying in, which was the Holiday Inn, had said to them that they were not welcome back the following year. Also, according to sources, Natalie's drinking was kind of excessive, with her starting every morning with cocktails. I don't see a problem with that. You're a little, like, I'm not going to lie to you, but I've got an early morning flight. I have to be there at seven o'clock in the morning. I'll be having a fry up with a pint. Yeah, that's what I mean. You're on holiday. That's what it's for. Yeah, when you're on holiday, I'm sorry, but yeah, it's five o'clock somewhere. Yeah, exactly. She probably lives like a really hectic few years, being a straight A student. Yeah, and then she got to go on this trip and she just let loose and she just went a bit wild. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. Sadly, we all know what happens when young girls get drunk. On the night of Sunday the 29th of May 2005, Natalie and her friends went out partying in Onjarasta. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't know. Onjarasta. I started panicking. On the night of Sunday the 29th of May 2005, Natalie and her friends went out in Oranjestad at the casino Carlos and Charlie's. As the club was closing at 1am, some of the group went back to the hotel they were all staying at and others visited different bars. Natalie was one of those who decided to stay out. Whilst out, Natalie and her friends were joined by three men. The three men were 17-year-old Havan van der Sloot, 21-year-old Deepak Kalpo, and 18-year-old Sassis Kalpo. Satish. Satis. I'm not really sure how to pronounce it, and I am really sorry. At about 1.30am, she was seen getting into a silver Honda with these three men, and this is the last time that she was ever seen again. On the morning of May the 30th, 2005, the group of students were expected to meet in the lobby of the hotel to catch their flight home. However, Natalie never showed up. After checking her hotel room, it was noticed that all of Natalie's belongings were still there. 
The group caught their flight home, but Natalie's whereabouts remained and still remain unknown. Following Natalie's misflight, her mother and stepfather flew to Aruba in a rented private jet immediately. They must have loads of money. Well, he was a successful businessman. I don't want to drive but I ride in this private jet. I know. Nice. I wish I could rent one just like that. That'd be pretty cool. Mm. Within hours of landing, bath, bath. <laughs> I cannot speak. Oh my god. It's not, it's not funny. It is. Within hours of landing, Beth managed to get the name and address of Havan van der Sloot from the manager of the Holiday Inn and give this information to the police. Along with Aruban authorities, they visited the van der Sloot home to look for Natalie. Haran even denied knowing Natalie's name, but then admits that he left the bar with her along with the two brothers. And they drove to a lighthouse because she was allegedly wanted to see sharks before dropping her back off at the Holiday Inn at around 2am. He then stated that as him and the brothers were driving away, a dark man in a black t-shirt, similar to those worn by security guards, approached Natalie. He even led the authorities and the twitties to the hotel to point out the security guard who apparently helped her inside, but he couldn't find them. Reports indicated that this story is later proven to be a lie, as security camera footage does not show Natalie even entering the building after she left that evening. However, according to Natalie's stepfather, George, the cameras were not even working the night she vanished. There are conflicting reports out there about whether or not the CCTV was working. But either way, Police Commissioner Van der Stratton said that Natalie would not have to go through the lobby to return to her room. Oh, okay. On June 1st, 2005, with Natalie not officially determined to be missing yet, a large group of tourists come together to form a search party in looking for her. The search party expands to include a volunteer team from Texas, Aruban authorities, Dutch marines and three F-16 fighter jets from the Netherlands. However, there was still no sign of Natalie. The search for physical evidence was very extensive and there were few false leads. A sample was taken from Deepak Kalpo's car, which was believed to be blood, however it wasn't. On June the 5th, two former security guards from a nearby Allegro Hotel were arrested on suspicion of kidnapping and murder. However, they were released eight days later. The reason they were suspects was never disclosed, but there were reports of the two which stated that they were known for cruising hotels to pick up women, and one of them was already known to authorities. On June the 9th, looking like the most likely suspects, Haran van der Sloot and the Kalpo brothers were arrested for the kidnap and murder of Natalie. Whilst they were being held, the three changed their stories. We obviously know that according to their first stories, they drove Natalie to the lighthouse and then dropped her back off at the hotel. But they were now saying that van der Sloot and Natalie were dropped off at the Marriott Hotel beach near the fishermen's huts. Van der Sloot went on to say that he did not harm Natalie, but did just leave her on the beach. Why the fuck? If he didn't... Why would you just leave her on the beach? Yeah, exactly. Especially if she's, like, really, really drunk. Like, you've got to be some dick to Mm -hmm. leave a drunk girl on the beach. Well, we know he is a dick anyway, but if he's trying to make himself look innocent, 
you just make yourself look like a dick. Yeah. Anyway. You're not, yeah, you're not making yourself look good at all. Just 18 as well. Like, a drunk 18-year-old on a they're, beach. They're 17, weren't they? Yeah, so How do they he was. That's a good question. Actually, I don't know. Mm. And I know the brothers were... <clears throat> one of them was 18 and one of them was 21. Why is the 21-year-old hanging out with a 17-year-old? That's weird. <sighs> yeah, but we know people like that okay, yeah. are just... I think they just hang around with people younger than them because they don't have friends their own age. Okay. Yeah, like, if you're hanging around... I'm assuming his brother, like, the 17, 18-year-old were actually friends. Yeah, and maybe the 21-year-old... Just has no mates and is a bit of a loner. Yeah. And he just has to tag along with his brother. Yeah. I have no shame in dissing these men because they're all arseholes. He then changed his story for the third time. He then said that he was dropped off at home and Natalie was driven off by the Calpo brothers. Don Pig, the police commissioner, completely shut down the story, saying, quote, This latest story came when Van der Sloot saw the other guys, the Calpos, were kind of finger-pointing in his direction and he wanted to screw them also by saying he was dropped off. But that story doesn't check out at all. He just wanted to screw Deepak. They had great arguments about this in front of the judge because their stories didn't match. This girl, she was from Alabama. She's not going to stay in the car with two black kids. We believe the second story, that they were dropped off by the Marriott. I wouldn't get in a... I would never get in a car on my own with three men, in, ever. In, in, in a foreign, different country. In a foreign country. Mm. I wouldn't even do it in bloody down the road, down the pub down the road, let alone in a foreign country yeah I mean obviously I would say that when I was 18 I did a lot more stupid things than what I would do now yeah but I still would never go that far no I don't think. no no that's quite scary following hearings before a judge the brothers were released on the 4th of July but Vandersloot was held for an additional 60 days so after a local gardener came forward with some very interesting information A pond near the Marriott Hotel Beach was partly drained between July the 27th and July the 30th. The gardener claimed to have seen Van der Sloot attempting to hide his face driving into a racket club off the morning of the 30th of May, between 2am and 3am. A jogger then also came forward with some more information, stating that he claimed to have seen men burying a blonde hair woman in landfill on the 30th of May. However, the searches of his landfill proved to be fruitless. The Calpo brothers were rearrested on the 26th of August, along with another suspect, Freddie Arambatis. And that's where we're going to leave it there. It's been a very, very long episode for us. It's taken us a very long time to record It's this. not going to be long on the podcast. No. But that was just... I couldn't speak. I literally could not speak. It's like our first episode all over again. Honestly, it was actually quite comical. I'm going to leave some of it in there because it was actually really funny. We had to record the same sentence about 10 times. <laughs> uh, probably, this episode is probably only going to be like 20 minutes long. Can I just but- say, I actually... So I think that the Calpo brothers are definitely involved. 100%. I, th- I think they're all involved. personally in some way I definitely think them three they know where she is they know what they've done with her yeah so 
we're gonna, I was going to put this in next week's, but I'm just going to say it now because it kind of leads into our theory, but Joran van der Sloot said that if they gave him, I can't remember how much it was, then he would tell the authorities where her body was. And this was in like 2010, so five years later. So they actually gave him $10,000 and then he told them that her body was at this house. They got there, obviously found out that it wasn't. Is there traces of her body there? Because you can trace, like the, if they've got a decent forensic team in the Caribbean, not sure how much their forensics is up to scratch. But they can do tests to see if there was a body there oh i don't know actually i might look into that a bit more then mm. but yeah but i know that he was arrested again for fraud basically unless that was where he last saw her and then someone else has done something else with the body i just don't believe a word i just want to know say. where she is i just don't understand why they can't just go i mean if she's dead they're going to prison it they're in prison anyway so they've got nothing to lose just say this is where she is yeah I mean, obviously, we do have more suspects that come up. Yeah, so you'll have to come back next week and find out a bit more. Yeah. I'm very sorry this one was actually quite short. It's been a busy week, (laughs) so haven't had a lot of time. A little intro into next week, though. Yeah, I think it's a good teaser into next week. We hope you had a lovely Easter and didn't eat too much chocolate. We look forward to catching up with you again next week well it will only be me next week so it will yeah it will only be shannon doing the part two so bear with me because it could take me like a year to do it because (laughs) i've had a shocker tonight i think it's the white wine i think this is why we don't drink white wine (laughs) have a lovely weekend i'm off to sunny thailand so you're going in two weeks i'm going in two weeks yeah so have a lovely weekend everyone don't forget to follow us on socials we are on Instagram at The Mystery Room Pod. We are also on Facebook, The Mystery Room Podcast. And we are on Patreon. And if you want to give last week's interview a listen, yes. then go on to Patreon as it is now live. Like we said, the interview is definitely worth a listen. So It's very interesting. She gives us a lot of information and she obviously talks about the details of like forensics and stuff like that so it's really really interesting especially if you're interested in like evidence collection stuff like that it is really really interesting so definitely go and give that a listen also yeah sorry if you are new to the podcast before you listen to that interview if you do want to listen to it then we would advise listening to our podcast on the murder of jill halliburton sue we hope you have a lovely weekend and a good week i will finish part two next week for you guys yes bye